Elizabeth leant against her stake. The underworld spread like a net. Bodies moaning, laying out in her surroundings. Everyone kept to their rectangles. The screen's advertisement flashed off beat. The leaf green font read, while summer was being made. Elizabeth's eyes, reflecting colour, were dull. Her posture curved in a tortured S. She watched her screen and on it, a close-up of a young face. Princess P in the glowing field, picking flowers to eat in salads. An underlord shadow entered the frame. Elizabeth set the screen down, hauling herself to her feet. A fellow splayed on the bank opposite hers opened his eyes to sing. Don't catch a queen. Never catch a queen, don't catch a queen, or you'll end up spent. Laughing, choking, the fellow's face, gaunt and electric, stretched. A cyan glimmer, not far, he said. Ahead, the smooth curve of the hive entrance, inviting to Elizabeth in promise of day's stage. A hint of it in the field scene shining rosily through the opening. Billboards, yellow lit at an angle showing. A brilliant white woman with a coffee. A dark-haired beauty exhaling smoke. A smiling kid eating cake. A boxy figure drinking whiskey. Behind Elizabeth the parched spread of steaks dwindled. Endless in abstraction. A clump of mumbling guards draped like slugs at the hive gates, chuckled over the luck of their posting, and they dozed. Elizabeth snuck between the two into the hive where the orange buzz on her skin was delightful. To be alive, she said, gasping the fresh air of the inside in. Among the blooms, Princess P, bowed over, was pulling at flowers holding firm to soil in resistance against being picked, it seemed, to Elizabeth. A cry. From a prince wearing a grey t-shirt. The prince, sprinting across the fields towards Princess P, was pointing at something. Princess P looked up, dropping a pink flower she'd wrenched from the earth, kissing her prince. Behind them towering, arched in foreboding backdrop. An underlord rising. Princess P, her eyes widening, shouted, No. The eyes regime descended. A 
camera zoomed in on Elizabeth's face, editing her into the stream, taking account of her in this narrative, thinking on all those distant organisms out there receiving this fire eyes brought on Elizabeth a sickened shuddering. Could a broad audience perceive the unfolding sequence was tracking for them a divinity's unmitigated extension of powers? Humble prince in a t-shirt, an Orpheus on a quest to cheat death of his wife, challenging brute Hades for her life, perhaps by charming his way past grisly boatmen and crossing a river of sticks. Princess P, her action live, called out as forcefully she was arrested from her love, enfolded in a heavy cloak, and whizzed past Elizabeth. Claimed for that same underworld, Elizabeth escaped. Elizabeth waved at Princess P, who, reaching, left in Elizabeth's hand a scrap of paper reading. I want back in, your old friend, P. The scene bereft of P, the prince sobbed quietly on his knees, a flower crushed in his hand, stalk dangling from his fist. The eye swarm roved on. A screen floated in, quelling any sense of disturbance by the routine broadcast of a complimentary classic. Quinn is envy. Elizabeth knew the story. Quinn waits for Prince Charming as a princess should, falls down the well, meets Jack and Jill. Mara could not scrub clean the naked boards. Another one vanished. Her neighbor's tenant's child this time. Mara had ordered the elderly couple bundled into the office car and sent ahead. She couldn't let the pair be home for this. How otherworldly hope was here. Mara's logical hands kept scrubbing. The eyes regime watched on. At the core of the trouble, lies a bitter family quarrel. A faint breeze, like a whisper, touched Elizabeth's cheek. Again, she said. A faint breeze. Elizabeth listened in the night, lying down to sleep among the waving petals. She watched a white thread twist on the horizon. Looming monsters, alerted to Elizabeth's escape. All exits barred by grey gates. A charged-up king of fools loped across the expanse. Elizabeth sat up and said, My entire life and all its possible combinations was flashed in waves of pure mathematics or music through my barely distinguishable consciousness. The light seared red. The tomes... Old purists believe only in sound, nothing else sensory, etc. The ladder of music scales as the mathematics like DNA of the universe. Find the lost chord and find the answer to anything, including where Earth is. Feeling addicted to fright arrived a scarecrow let out the screen studios on the East Hive in an entry-level skin. A ticker fixed to it. Got cheap. Scarecrow Elizabeth scanned the Badlands, crossing the border, turning towards day. Like Cinderella, she had to watch for crows, 
who would peck at her when her time ran out. Let me live. Let me live. Let me live, Elizabeth said as she walked. Broken sticks lurching across a bog. A scarecrow gate. The wild wastes of the Badlands laid out. Territory of scarecrows. Elizabeth strode cold on the pit's prairie. Finally, she was moving. The eye sat pale, prime beholder, not of the market. In game, play for anything, read a tagline embossed on a folder, clutched by a worker passing swiftly through the warren of curio stalls, everywhere propped, brightly proclaiming wares to the wasted edges bunched flat against a thick wall there installed keeping the Badlands from scumming that inner under-inks functionality going on in there smoothly continuing. Elizabeth could see no entry points relieving the border wall of the weight of questions asked of it by all who doubted its existence, saying simply to themselves, am I outside of it? At the trading end, Pastel-coloured gazebos shook prettily in the breeze. Day market conditions. Day characters filtering in off the badlands walked among residents familiar to grey regulation. Regulars, shoppers and new faces watched one another. Day characters had shops, animals, an apple, an artist, an actress, all anxious to sell. A cult, kneeling in inward-facing lines, worshipped Lord of Blue Sky in the distance. Oom, 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 sounded their chant. There is a promised land. A throng took advice from a sage beneath a crooked umbrella. Clarity is a luxury in a world that is murky for a reason. The sage was for sale. Bronze'll do. I'll take your bronze. A skin sealer, hands hooked over his door, commented to a neighbour, gesturing at Elizabeth. As Elizabeth moved away, her costume flapped noisily. A sage standing on a box at the far side of the market said, Silver, I'll take your silver. Silver for these words. Silver, I'll take your silver. When paid, he said, the quest, to take it from your heart and put it in your head, the poisons you must drink, to convert and survive there. If you can afford the training, allowing you to see what's happening to you, then you may properly negotiate your lot. We all see in different colours. If you can play the game on many levels and not have the bounces come, Elizabeth lowered her hat over her face. Approaching diagonally against the gleam of the eye, all the while watched by its huddle of fools and shadows, appointed to guard the eye in its sacred status, reliably fixed always for grey tracking of the Santa's contributions. I see ya. Who you looking? 
there. A burnt fool in patched trousers said, Just following my path, I was led to you, he smiled. Give me an audience, said Elizabeth. The fools folded in laughter. The burnt fool said, We create our destiny every day we live. Come be with me a day. Elizabeth, watching the shadows, said, I'd like an audience with the eye. Don't want to be friends, said the burnt fool. His iris split in a vague green mix. In a far-off darkening, a shade came fast approaching. The fools assembled, ready to trap it in their net. The tendon shadows knit closer round the eye. Market vendors performed a hush packing up. The fools gathered on either side of the central game path. Elizabeth, beside the fools, careful to stay off the path, adjusted her dungaree straps. When the shade reached the group, Elizabeth kicked at full legs, stepping back at the resulting spread-eagled blur. The shade whooshed through a limp full net lying in the dirt. How the gamblers got their gold? It is not clear when or how, but at some point in the game of the cosmos, a gang of thieves went rogue. Retreating to the pool of shadows, playing at the eye. Elizabeth turned to address it. The burnt fool, intervening, said, Why would a scarecrow help a shade escape the circus? A spectacle of misery, said Elizabeth. The burnt fool said, I came up that way, took to the road with a travelling circus. A shivering fool stepped forward from the pack. A sh sh shade can only be k killed when p p pierced through the heart. If you can find the heart, said the burnt fool. What do we think of this scarecrow action team? Nothing stopping me taking sides, said Elizabeth. Sick him, said the burnt fool. A shimmering of fool fleas set upon Elizabeth. An image of the goddess, blazing white on a billboard reading, Love's Lust Drinks Coffee, beamed above. Itch. The horror. The... The bodies of the state. The knowledge of the state. The language of the state. The state-made monster machine. Elizabeth would not say what she was. The overseer, efficient in her grey smock, said, We're all noodle soups in our heads here, cocking her face. Why did you aid that escaped shade? Elizabeth stood silent. We'll let you speak with the eye if you cooperate. Why help that shade? Got to pay for this scarecrow hat and overalls somehow, said Elizabeth. Were you contracted to perform an intervention? Said the overseer. Among the spectators, the bronze sage said, Look here, come on, she's told. 
Leave her be. A ragged collection of characters agreed. The overseer ordered Elizabeth to take her hat off. Elizabeth had bone-white teeth and indigo skin. Her black eyes, now fixed on the overseer, caused the official to look in her lap. Hollow eyes, staring as if seeing from the furnace of the planet's core. Elizabeth's gaze burned faintly, though, as if the fire in her had a long way to travel, or that the blaze was an ember's dying down. The overseer asked Elizabeth for further comments to go in the book. I'm handling what I've got, said Elizabeth. Grey fed by shame. Betrayal characters. A character is a form which comes to know betrayal and handle it specifically. Flower? Elizabeth put her hat back on. Addressing the eye, she said, Great eye, I've come here on day's time. A thread of grey information, the discord they've been tilling out on the inks. Dressed up as game is spreading. It's making us ill. The greys have proved now that an entire universe can be tricked into believing something that is not real. But the effects of the policies they have in enforcing us watching for the streaming of the inks, they are felt. We are being conditioned by versions of the story mapping the creation of the universe. Being tuned in to what is not real, over being given that time we were promised for the considering of our past actions. In an accompanying of what is real, the universe, I am unable to contemplate myself under the inks. The overseer jotted down notes. Behind Elizabeth, an efficient prep team arrived in vehicles dressed in black their outfits accessorized by neat wristwatches. Chubby-armed women set up a catering stand. Burly men stood around and smoked. Two slick-haired assistants fussed with clipboards. A large director seated on a chair held a cool drink. Identical trucks opened at the back. Steel and aluminium fittings were unpacked candy cane pole was laid on a sheet. Girl Crow, you need to get out the way now, said the burnt fool. The eye likes to see him setting up for the dance. The eye brightened. A beautiful set of powder blues was dismantled and thrown into a freshly delivered skip. Elizabeth coasted along the market barrier and found a dog with a bone, shamed very deeply. An offering of a message to take, said Elizabeth. Dog shamed, snuffled and said, Who for? Darnell, said Elizabeth. The dog dropped its bone, 
Donnell believes in reason, that everything can be made in realty. Any pearl feeds you know of going with a seat, said Elizabeth, fixing her smile. Pearl rolls are snapped up from the inside now. Have you got a sponsor? said Darnell. No, not yet, said Elizabeth. Call me when you do, said Darnell. Elizabeth, the dog shamed next to her, approached her home plot. There it lay, raised from the ground around it. It looked fine, except a gang, fully funded to tell by the way they were kitted out, had been stationed there. Identifying Elizabeth as what she once was, the leader nodded at his crew and, jumping up waving, he said, Want a taste, eh? Where's your K? A Mary, with a drooping face, Whiling her time in the gang's protection, watched Elizabeth with fierce indifference. Elizabeth meandered towards the gang, as their leader's threats became more ferocious. Stooping, Elizabeth ripped a tuft from the plot. The gang went quiet, easing into formation. The tuft of earth came green in Elizabeth's hand. My land, she said. The dog shamed recited a poem for all them watching at home. A jubilant doggy smile creasing its face at the signs of this, its first real audience, evident in the eyes circling overhead. In the days when the fields were made of gold, before our earth was left, before time was old, when we did not need the wolves, when the birds were all still good, when animals were free, when to look was to see. I loved you then, and you loved me. The wolves is a parasite that preys on the living and the dead of earth. A tree, tar black, scored by rivulets. The dog snaked low, whirring eyes hung in mid-air, their brittle outer cases dappled with indentations, the strained wheeze of engines irritating the ear. A rushing water sound. Elizabeth's silhouette inched up the hill. A fountain, she said, returning refreshed drip showed on her skin. Soothing waters of day to cure the effects of night venom. Four whoops, one following the next in quick succession. Elizabeth crouched, the dog shamed whined. Duty calls, descending upon them in a startling battle dress of red felt and blue trim, Elizabeth recited the fiends' names as they crested the slope. Disky, Pork, Hash, Little Ron. Tinin's kids sang. Swing back, relax, 
Never did see you again, oh-oh, never did see you again Ain't my friend anymore, oh-oh, they never did see you again Oh no, they never will be seeing you again They want to make you feel scared, so you're no longer a threat War makes war more likely to happen again Leave, said little Ron Why don't you just stay dead? said Disky, darting at Elizabeth in a mock charge. Hash eased himself onto his haunches. Pork's face was slack, arms folded, stance open. Can we trade some time on a pass? said Elizabeth. Not here for discussing. This be serious now, said little Ron. Elizabeth stood motionless. With a subtle hand, she showed the gang a blade of stone. Mara's fists were clenched on the table. Her big dark curls were matted at the back, purple circles under her eyes. Nail varnish chipped. The investigation can't go any faster, said her supervisor. Why can't they bring someone in from another department? said Mara. Her supervisor looked at the file for a name. Mara, the investigation can't go any faster. She reached. Oh! Elizabeth bit into a fruit off the tree. Red juice dribbled over her arm. Day shone down. She's been Miss Sin, said Disky. Give a wild heart to a wild thing, said Little Ron. And it only gets stronger, said Disky. Tree looks thirsty now, said Little Ron. Pork led down and picked up the dog shamed. Maybe we feed it this snitch, said Disky. Feed this vampire fool, said Little Ron eyeing Elizabeth. Hash stepped up close to Elizabeth. He stood like a post, mildly blinking. Don't, said Elizabeth, I'm leaving. Elizabeth kicked at the dust. The waltz, the heart of the machine. This is new, said Elizabeth. A frontier development, made as a site for wearied pilgrims. A rippling structure embedded in the dusty flats of the wandering stretches, signalling that the profitable cells of the hive were within reach. Ringed by a heavy fence, a glistening tower, built in revolving disks. The metallic exterior visible beneath the layers of dust collected on the surface. The unmistakable peal of revelry audible from within. Elizabeth and the dog shamed waited in a long queue. The guard on duty frowned heavily, checking numbers, numbers, numbers on a sheet as people entered. Like he was picking parasites from a pet. In there we'll find a sponsor, said Elizabeth to the dog. These were the prince's games, an outpost of the state, there to remind the people of their regent.
They keep sin in there, said Elizabeth. They keep her in that tower. Her light is the radiance of this place. The prince, ever so still, ever so lovely in the palace. Lie, false position, got by a loophole like all positions. Time is him. Elizabeth felt the wet rush of a waterfall. Delusion, it's a delusion, she said. The woods is forgetting. Elizabeth reached the guard. Scowling at her especially, he asked that she step aside. Got a scarecrow, he said. An assistant started briskly walking towards them. The dog, shamed, licked its lips, skirting the worn brush of the brown legs of a tall girl standing in line in front of them with her friends, giggling, now being given entry. The girl coaxed a smile from the guard, her lapis lazuli dress swished perfume in the air. This way, please, said the quick-walking assistant, leading Elizabeth away. The dog shamed was taken separately towards a VIP entrance to the fairground. Tongue lolling, dog body squirming silently in excitement. Snitch, said Elizabeth, observing the dog's admission. The assistant looked back at her over his shoulder. He paused. I'm sorry, I have to do this, he said. Taking a step back from Elizabeth, the assistant squinting in the sun said, In the name of the prince, stop. Ritual performed. Elizabeth and the fairground assistant walked on. Elizabeth thought everyone would see that she had no shame and no skin. The people could see her brain working and the hole where her heart had been. An old roach read out the charge. Stealing fruit from the tree of blood, she said, clicking along at her own pace. A framed portrait of Judge Sybil in her long cloaks was hung on a rackety end of beams clumsily nailed together for a podium. Elizabeth eyed the portrait. Sybil's thick green skin, the pale yellow chins, those wide globule eyes, small smudge of mauve on frog lips, a crowd had gathered. A monster with four ears on the back ridge of her face, said to her children, Don't no person want to fall like a fruit to the floor of that tree, cause then you lost, and won't nobody go and go and find you there. It's just the way it is. Elizabeth wondered if she'd heard these words as a girl whether life would have been the same for her. The circuit, what's playing? said a hyperactive man who couldn't wait. Documentary. Cats linked together known as lions form prides. What is your access to time? said the roach magistrate. Elizabeth stepped forward and said, 
they've got me at stakes. This case is for a lower authority, said the roach judge. The sun cowered. A dark moon rose over Elizabeth's distant plot. She felt that moonlight soak into the ground she had to her name, giving her strength, blotting the landscape. The dark company approached. Just think what it costs all of us each time one of these escapes, said a red-faced man in the audience. She been a Wendy once, said a lady in a baseball cap. Yeah, I remember that face. Tells a good story, this one, said a man in the crowd with watery eyes and a hand very still in his pocket. The angels were coming to take her back. Elizabeth cleared her throat. I'll tell a story for a drink of water, she said. A small pocket of transparent liquid was provided her in silence. This is the story of the grey switch. The story of Earth at her setting into time. The story of the lion time, who the Rara call Alan, in the cage said Elizabeth. The onlookers rustled, getting comfortable. Elizabeth took off her hat, the sky behind her a burnished red. When the universe got started, Earth wasn't born. She was being planned. She was the grey switch. When they set her into time, she was quite alone. All her creators agreed that she was bliss. With her stormy oceans and the sun, sat Sonia and the moon to guide her on her good way to being the mother she'd grow to become. The gods of the universe called her beloved. How did a child protected as Earth was get lost? Who neglected to watch over her birth? We as a people now suffer. We count the cost of the mistake. They let him touch her first. Where was her father? The lion time, then. How about grey control? Were they awake? When did the wretchedness of her experience under the influence of the snake register? The old father, rightly blamed, awaits life's ending beyond the depths of the crack, they say. But still we ask, is that the lion time or a fake? Earth is gone. What is left we call wasted. That time who took her from us, the Rar are convinced, is disguised as a prince, among us counting his days. Who are we in this story? Are we here as witnesses? If so, how do we translate the pain of loss we feel inexplicably? into action. We drown ourselves in sorrow for a home we haven't got. Was there ever a home for us? Are we alive? The angels were hovering overhead. An angel among the host had a crooked smile plastered over its jaw. Elizabeth fell to her knees. 
she looked up, calling on hope to free her from the angelic lair. The angels landed in a wave, their chief angel dropping a pair of gloves, immediately picked up by an underling, looked down onto Elizabeth's head. Putting his hands forward, he grasped her skull. This one fears drowning, losing herself, not reaching her friends, stone, dreams, and a false source. The chief stepped away. His hands were washed by an angel with a cloth. Fresh gloves fitted carefully back on. What I cannot stand is to be taken down there, said Elizabeth. The chief grinned. Hope will not save you, he said, arms blade open in demonstration. The crowd parted in awe at him. Have you seen your sins, Elizabeth? said the chief. Have you truly taken the time to see them? Elizabeth said, I cannot see beyond the inks. I am ready to come back, to live. The chief said, I have looked at your file, and I reaffirm that judgment which was first meted out to you. The state of your soul is correctly matched to the patch granted you. My time is served, said Elizabeth. A flimsy eye set zoomed in, training a focus on them. You can't have peace without justice, said the chief, looking straight across the cameras. Swagger renewed. The primary architects have to be brought in. And forgiveness? Well, only you can forgive yourself for what you have deprived yourself of. No doubt life is not best lived in confinement. The angels prepared Elizabeth for transportation. Moving like they were working under the effects of salt fever, they strapped her to a contraption, obsessing in the details, going faster and faster. Elizabeth surveyed the mortals at a remove watching her. Mara got to a friend's house for a shower and a chat. She'd arrived at the office early with time to catch up on her paperwork. She cried when it was done. Now Mara was attentive with a small smile. Confident she was that friendly face. The surviving member of the latest family, to be taken from the inks, was giving evidence at a small hearing in a room at the courts of H. Mara was compact in the space. Through her familiarity, they hoped she'd provide some reassurance to the bereaved. The child said, Father, warn us. Tell us don't go to the edge of the forest. That's where the hunters are. But we went. Now I lost, and brother gone down to the woods. Mother too. We in a bad way. We got no existence. We lost all it were for us. We never go back home again. Life for us a shallow wandering. 
a hope can't find me here. Not till I dead, where my family know me once more. Discord. The point at which time takes a wrong turn. And we are living in an end song. The fellow on the neighbouring patch was muttering to himself, talking mostly on the garden stuff. The acid green lust he had known, how he was riddled with worms. He worried a great deal about the worms. Elizabeth felt lucky she'd got further away from her stake than she had expected to on the day out. She'd heard some gamblers at a quest for fire junket, picking up on her trajectory early, had made plenty K betting she'd get away. Despite feeling pleased with her performance, Elizabeth despaired at the attention she found. Again she gave, endlessly it felt to her, to watching game. She regretted the transfusion of her energy, keeping bigger roles going, still rolling, or not. She should run her time better, Elizabeth thought, and she could not believe how much she owed that fool king for his flimsy scarecrow outfit. Do you have what it takes, they'd said to her when she was hauled back. Elizabeth slept to forget her embarrassment, waking from her dream of a precise vision of her idol, mouse, glowing beneath a halo with wise, beautiful eyes, and a furry snout. Mouse's sensitive hands beckoning toward a life in the archives, amidst the information Elizabeth loved to unfold, made her emotional. Touting their wares. Is the drink white or red? Parched. Guy next door cleared up. Who's new? Not here yet. They'll be in soon. The delivery man stood over Elizabeth. He wasn't sure whether to call for help. He was afraid of her. She was asleep. This girl looks famished, he said, leaving her an orange from his pocket with a package wrapped in brown paper scrawled on in silver. The orange helped Elizabeth feel better. She recognised the handwriting, but did not touch the package for some hours. When she did unwrap it, a note inside unfurled reading, Help me. P. Princess P had sent her their old favourite. Sybil and Jane, computer game. Elizabeth read the back. Sybil needs your help. Pilferers are stealing food from the docks. Jane must locate the hot spots where criminals sell stolen produce back onto the black market. The graphics were what was most charming about this game and the little rewards gold chains, rings, watches, which Jane naturally returned to the authorities.